everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Bali. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good buddy, Seth Robinson out there. Seth. Hey, I'm back from vacation and uh, actually looking forward to another vacation. So, Look at uh, you, Mr. Leisure. Well, I can't complain because I'm about to go on vacation myself. So. I know. We've, we've both worked very hard all summer, and I think we deserve <laughs> it. So I think so, too. It's sort of the dog days of summer, too. And when you're uh, the dog days of summer coupled with a pandemic where nobody can really do anything is kind of a good time to have some downtime, I guess. It is. And I will say for mine, we went and rented a house in a little river town. And, you know, there's not much to do, especially if you're trying to stay, you know, inside and not, you know, get out and, and interact too terribly much. But I found that the change of scenery was huge. Like it, it just, it made a ton of difference. Uh, I've been recommending it to everyone that I talk to. Uh, it, you know, if you don't feel like, a change of scenery is a worthwhile enough reason to, to pick up and go somewhere, I would encourage you to do it. So I wholeheartedly agree. I'm going to hopefully get some beach time while I'm off, but looking forward to it. Anyway, we have a guest today and I'm super excited uh, for uh, Juan Fernandez to join us. Um, he is the VP of Managed IT Services for ImageNet Consulting. He's also a super interesting man, and um, we're excited to talk to him today about whatever, all things IT and all things careers and all things certifications. Right, Seth? Yeah, I think so. Juan, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me, everybody. Yeah, so, so Juan, to get started here... I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the the journey into an IT career. You know, this is something that we've talked about on the podcast before. It's obviously a big topic for us at CompTIA, and I think it's been gaining interest broadly as the the pandemic here has forced people to think even more about kind of reskilling, upskilling, job changes than than they did before. And and obviously, there's a lot of complications there, but it's a, a good time to be talking about this and, and talking about how things might have changed. From, from the way that people might have been thinking that you got into IT. So do you want to maybe kind of share your story of, of how you got into an IT career and then we can take it from there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, you know, my story may be similar to a lot of people that are joining us on the podcast. I actually, for all intents and purposes, shouldn't be in IT. My social economic status and where I grew up in a in a fairly rural community and a place where technology wasn't very prevalent, you know, computers weren't something that we learned when we learned how to type. We actually learned on typewriters. Uh, computers were a very new thing. I'm not talking about a long time ago. I'm talking about just a few years ago, not to date myself, but I mean, I've been in the IT field now for 26 years, so it hasn't been like eons ago that this was you know, prevalent. And it's hard for some to believe that there was a time without computers. You know, originally when I was you know, even considering it, I was introduced to computing while I was uh, uh, very young, and I, I actually was working at a loan company. And for all intents and purposes, you know, college and, and school wasn't necessarily a place that was a trajectory for me. In our culture, it's more of get to work. You got to support your family. You got to support all of the people around you. You know, you need to you get on your feet and get moving. And uh, a lot of things weren't necessarily at a point that really led itself for us to really kind of move down that path. So for me, I remember getting into computers back when AOL was a thing, America Online. You know, I, I met AOL one day while I was a company 
decided to say, you know, hey, we want, we want to implement these things called computers. There's this application called Fox Pro, and apparently you can make these things talk and we can run financials from our different facilities. Can you figure it out? And I said, sure. You know, I didn't know nothing about computers at the time. Well, this little round disc popped in. Next thing you know, I was installing it, and all of a sudden I realized that I could connect to this new world. And I remember coming home to was my girlfriend at the time and uh, telling her, I got to go do this internet thing. And man, let me tell you what, I got backlash from everyone in the world. They were like, why would you do that? It's a fad. They're, the internet thing isn't going to be a big <laughs> deal. Technology is, you know, this computer thing, just, you know, stay in the trade where you're at. Don't make a move, you know. <laughs> For many, it was it was one of those things. And they were like, oh, internet's a flash in the pan. It's not going to be a big thing. It's just there and no one's going to pay attention to that. And I was like, maybe they're right. You know, that's never been a thing. So maybe, maybe it isn't going to be a thing. So for me, it wasn't all of my career has been met with opposition. And one of the things that I remember back then when I, I decided I took a huge pay cut, I said, you know what? No, I have a feeling that this internet thing's going to be big. I'm going to go work for this company called AOL. And I remember taking a help desk job. And I remember thinking, I have no idea how to do this. And so my trajectory was, I don't have a college degree. I'm surprised that they even let me in here. Right. And so knowing that when I arrived at that point, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I need to get some schooling. So my first thought was, okay, I need to figure this thing out. I wasn't making any headway inside. I was, it was kind of frustrating for me because I didn't really get the concepts of what was going on. And it took some time to really absorb what was going on there. So I said, you know what, I can't do this. I need to be the best that I can be at this job. And I, you know, me and a team of people there, said, hey, let's go, let's go get certified. And uh, this group was also very good at customer service. So we were kind of the elite group that was able to, you know, people kicked a lot of calls to us because we could, you know, coerce people by recommending them strategic websites that they should visit, right? We were, we were the search engine of the world back then. True. You know, and so that's how we got people to stick around is asking them questions around what do they like and recommending things. So, I, I went to go take the A plus test and I remember failing it for my very first time. And I had spent so much time on this. I was going to work 10 hour days and at night I was going to night school for the A plus. And, you know, for me, I got really frustrated. And, I, and all those people that said I shouldn't be doing this, it really came racing back to maybe you shouldn't, maybe you aren't good at technology. Maybe you shouldn't be here. Maybe you should go back to what you're doing. Maybe you should be in trades like you know, none of your family does this. So for me, I was a first generation technologist and I didn't realize that at the time, what a shift that was going to make for my entire family and all of the, my people behind me. I didn't realize it, you know, and it was one of those things that and when I failed, I remember thinking, okay, I'm not good at this. I got in my head. Oh, I'm not good at tests. I started listening to everyone like, oh, this is a horrible time of my life. You know, maybe I made the worst decision ever. I'm in a, a job that I have no idea where I'm going to land up and everyone's telling me I shouldn't be doing this. And obviously I can't even pass the test. So I was really down on myself. Yeah. I remember thinking that I should stop. And, and really when, as time went on, I really come to realize that it wasn't that I didn't, I wasn't good at taking tests. It wasn't that I wasn't uh, smart enough to be where I was doing, or it was that I didn't study it hard enough. I didn't really focus on the concepts and give myself a fair shot. You know, I thought, oh, well, I can glean this. I've been, I'm doing this stuff at work. I can 
just scan over this information and I should just be able to absorb it by osmosis. You know, I already know networking. I don't need to realize, you know, study that part of the A plus. I should already know it. Right. So I had this big misconceived notion around what I actually needed to be studying. So you sound like a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of students out there. (laughs) But um, I love that you just described yourself as a first generation technologist because there's so many others who say I'm the first person in my family to go to college, you know, and I think that this is very, uh, they're very similar. Um, And uh, I, I think that's a wonderful, wonderful term. And I like that you persevered. So um, once you did, how many times did you have to take the A-plus test? Just asking. Uh, so I took it the first time. I failed. I took it the set time. But the second time, I, took, I started over and I passed. And I gave myself a little bit of a shot in the arm. So the second time I passed, and then I went for my Security Plus or my Network Plus, And then I went for my Project Plus. Wow. You just moved um, through it all. That's I just kept going. I, it, yeah, I like didn't stop and it became an addiction. It was like, oh my God, I am good at this, you know? And I'm like, hey, I can actually make, like, I was wrong. I, I can do this, you know? And it was just so much fun after that, you know? And I got out of, uh, out of my head of thinking that I wasn't good enough. I made it a commitment to myself um, to persevere and keep going and be the best at what I was doing. And so it's been a great story. Yeah, it really is a great story. And, and I'm, I, I'm thinking back to, you know, the time that you're talking about, it, it probably wasn't a time where certifications were necessarily recognized as a huge pathway. in. I mean, I think in those days, people were still looking a lot for four-year degrees. And I think that that has been changing over time. And that change has maybe accelerated a little bit. I mean, you've been in the industry now for a little while. Uh, You're not doing the job seeking anymore, but as much as you've been able to observe, how do you think that things have been evolving and where do you think things are now with the demand for these types of jobs and and the things that companies and hiring managers are looking for uh, to let them know that somebody knows what they're talking about? I think that's a great point. Uh, You know, for so many years, it was a barrier of entry for me. I mean, I struggled. I had to be so good at what I did that I could overcome that objection, you know, and that was a really, a really steep slope to climb. And then for many people that are probably here, they probably face that similar notion of, well, you know what, hey, I really want to get involved with IT, but I know I need a four-year degree. And then to your point, Seth, as we start to see this, this shift in this ecosystem, I'll tell you now, I own an IT company, right? I run one. And my primary objective when I write job descriptions is you have to be certified because I'm hiring people to do the job that I need them to do versus, you know, what they've done in the past. Like I really, I don't discriminate at all in regards to whether or not you have a degree. If you do great, congratulations, you know, that's excellent. But one of my major requirements in the way that I measure individuals that are coming in is that do you know what it takes to do the job? And in the way I base that is whether or not you have the basic understanding of, of best practices. And I gauge that based on, you know, whether or not you have a fundamental recollection of best practice and that's, you know, being certified by the A plus security plus network plus. So I think to your point, you know, a lot of employers are starting to change. And as a matter of fact, I just was talking with somebody yesterday that I was listening to and we were talking about this Texas workforce development program that I'm, I'm trying to assist with. 
And uh, one of this, the statements was that we were having a conversation around, you know, a lot of companies, yes, they're, you're requiring certifications, but they're also requiring a lot of experience in these years of uh, degree. Well, the federal government just removed the requirement for, you know, that we can't, that companies can't prejudge whether or not an individual coming into the technical field actually has their degree, right? That can't be a level of measurement. It has to be some other metrics. So we are seeing that even in the industry making changes to adopt, you know, the new ways of learning. I find that fascinating. And I think it's something that's going to stay with us. Uh, I think this is the new way uh, that we are going to look at potential employees going forward. Um, it, you know, it is, uh, it is skills-based. I want to talk a little bit and switch gears a, a bit to what we're seeing today and in the environment that we're going through. One, and um, I do a lot of work around managed services, and obviously yeah. that's a big thing for you. It's yeah. your wheelhouse. Yeah, it's your wheelhouse. So I'm wondering if you could just give us a little sense of, um, given the times, given this enormous shift to remote work, what that has meant for the average MSP, the stellar MSP, you know, all MSPs. Has this been opportunistic? Uh, is this, you know, perilous? Is this, a, you know, a, a bad moment for them? I'm curious what you're seeing in your uh, experience. That's a, an interesting question because based on the maturity of the MSP, it kind of varies, you know, and so for a mature MSP that has uh, a different vision, um, and I hate to say that there's opportunity in any type of bad situation. Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah but this one here is right now the MSP voice is being heard, you know, and the reason for it is that everyone is, you know, is now having to shift to move to home. And technology has just changed, right? I talked about it in 2018 and I said, welcome to the future. And it's, you know, enabling the remote workforce, you know, and one of the big things then was just really making sure that we were focusing on the needs of the, the consumer. And for many MSPs, you know, if they're in the break fix world, it, this is a little bit of a, a difficult time because they can't service anybody because no one's allowing you to come into the organization. And truth be told, there's not a lot of people that want you to come to their home. Um, so for break fix type MSPs, a um, little bit of a difficult situation for a, you know, the ones that are doing, you know, uh, contractual services and remote monitoring and management. It's been a good opportunity to show value because now that remote aspect of their organization and opportunity to maintain, you know, consumer environments or customer environments is showing its colors right and depending on how you're delivering that is really what's moving the needle uh, for a lot of the ones that are actually thriving during this time you know so a creative message around you know and making sure businesses are, are really getting the tools and all of the consumption-based models you know whether it be a SaaS platform or a hardware platform or you know whatever it may be, as long as you were structured in that way to deliver them in a remote capability, those are the ones that are really thriving. So there's a lot of different variables that are going into who's really winning and who's really suffering. Uh, but for the most part, if you took an average overall, the best part is, is that people are looking for more technology. And I think that that's what's causing as a whole, everybody to kind of win. For those that are emerging uh, MSPs, they're now shifting very quickly to this uh, remote opportunity. So it's a really exciting time. I, I'm really looking forward to 
seeing the innovation that comes out of everybody and all of this uh, change. Yeah, Juan, I, I guess just to kind of wrap up here, that last comment that you made, the, the innovation that's going to come, you know, real quickly, if, if you're looking ahead into the future uh, and not just thinking about when we're going to get out of the pandemic or what course the pandemic is going to take, but thinking more about the course that technology is taking, what are maybe the, the one or two things that you think are going to be major focus areas within the technology industry over the next six months? Well, obviously, I think everybody that's out there, I've been talking about the millennial market space for a long time and focusing on who the future buyer is. And I think there's two key components to what's going to be super successful. And I think that even, you know, future and present tense buyers are, are really looking for in any guy, I make this recommendation, anyone joining into the IT, you know, arena, as you're starting to chart your path on where you're going to focus your attention, there's two places that really look really great. And right now the number one is cloud. I don't care what version of cloud you're talking about, whether you're talking about, you know, software-based or security-based or any type, anything cloud-based is that mobile enablement key component. Number two is going to be uh, platform automation. So anything that makes it easy for businesses to streamline their delivery mechanisms and also transform a customer experience service through their technology and use it and leverage it as a competitive advantage. Um, those are the two key things I think that are going to be the future of, of where technology lands. And for those that are you know, joining into the IT workforce and you're like, gosh, I really don't know where I should go. You know, obviously make sure you get your A plus, you know, dial in, make sure you got the basic fundamentals, understand your networking and how it works from a security components perspective, make sure you get the basis of it and then start diving into cloud plus and, and making sure that you're aligning yourself with, with what the future is lies in front of you. So. Well, Juan, we're happy to have you as part of the CompTIA team. So thank you very awesome. much. We're happy to have you join us today on Volley. So thanks again. And, um, Enjoy the rest of your summer. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Yep. We will talk to you again somewhere down the road. Talk to you soon, Carolyn. You bet.